Hi, this is Sam Chamberlain, and welcome to Things to Ponder, the sermon podcast from St. Mary's United Church of Christ in Silver Run, Maryland. Follow along with St. Mary's at stmarysucc.org or on Facebook and Instagram. Wishing you peace and good, my friends. There's a lot of talk about new life, about rebirth, about goodness and virtue. And it is, and, and I, want to, I want to draw on that. And so it is a happy circumstance for us that the celebration of resurrection, at least in this hemisphere, happens in springtime. This is not a worldwide reality, so we shouldn't think, oh yeah, everybody's used to tulips and daffodils and you know, flowering pear trees and all that right around the time of Easter. No, no, no. It's unique to this part of the world, or at least this half of it. And because of that, it's nearly impossible for us who live here to separate the notions of resurrection and rebirth of spring after the long, dark tomb of winter. We're just used to thinking about it that way. And to this end, we are fortunate in this place that we are brought face-to-face early in our Easter celebration with considering all of God's good creation as Earth Day is just a couple of days away. But as we celebrate Easter, again, we cannot help but go outside and just see the beauty of new birth all around us. It has often been said, rightly, that creation is God's first revelation. Before there were churches, before there was a Bible, before there was a law, even before potlucks, as hard as that is to believe, God's glory and creativity was on full display in all that God had made. Indeed, St. Paul invites us to this imaginative faith when he says, For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen. The implication, of course, being that anyone who's willing to pay attention can see God breaking forth, not just inside of church buildings, but out of every flower, out of every bulb, every tree, every animal. And if God's good qualities can be known through that which is made, then surely we can see the themes of faith and hope and love, not to mention crucifixion and resurrection, played out in ways both glorious and mundane. To this end, Lutheran theologian Joseph Sittler wrote these words, which is, of course, the title of the sermon today. I have never been able to entertain a God idea which was not integrally related to the fact of chipmunks, squirrels, hippopotamuses, I think that's how you say it, galaxies, and light years. One might also add to that list Jersey cattle and Nubian goats. I have never been able to entertain a God idea which was not integrally related to the facts of chipmunks, squirrels, hippopotamuses, galaxies, and light years. They are all one. And I am yet to talk to a farmer, a gardener, a veterinarian, and a million other kinds of folks who couldn't describe God's good presence in just the same way, breaking forth in the myriad and in the mundane. In fact, it was a cow that brought me to my first miracle. I remember, and I was a teenager at this point, but I had spent enough time with cattle, but My mother and father understood that maybe turning the kid loose to take care of the cattle in really intense situations wasn't the best idea, but I remember one time my mom took me out. She needed an extra set of hands. We had a Holstein heifer who had just given birth. He was up in the field, and she was down with milk fever. 
For those who may not know what milk fever is, what a cow will do, especially early, is that she will do everything she can to push as much calcium into her milk so that her baby can be fed. And sometimes she pushes out too much calcium so that it is a risk to her life. And we had a cow with milk fever and she could, not, she could not get up. She was very much in that very classic prone position, laying there, her head kind of thrown back, not looking good, and her life ticking away minute by minute. And so I remember that my mom, the experienced veterinarian, uh, amateur veterinarian that she is, she pulled the head back and exposed the jugular vein, and she got out this bottle, and on the bottle was written calcium gluconate. Never forget it. And she gave me this huge needle. I mean, it was like that. You You all think getting your vaccine for the pandemic is bad. This needle is huge. And she pulled it back and exposed the jugular. She goes, Sam, you got to jab this in that jugular. I'm like, oh, wait, what? No, 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 we're not doing that. And she's like, yeah, you are. This cow's life is on the line. All right, so you figure out what you're most afraid of, the cow dying or doing this. And I decided I was more afraid of the cow dying. And so I pulled her neck back a little bit and I jammed it in and blood just starts flowing out. And you're like, ooh, this is an R-rated sermon. Yeah, my apologies. But blood is flowing out of this huge needle and she's like, all right, now put the hose on and attach the bottle. As best I could, I did just that and the gluconate just starts flowing right into her jugular. I'm telling you, it was 10 minutes. After that flowed in, she got up, she went over, started licking her baby like nothing had ever happened. We put a whole ton of calcium right into her system, and that immediately got absorbed into her body so she could do the work that God had designed her to do. I have never forgotten that miracle, that miracle of bringing something back pretty much from the dead, and I got to participate. But there are so many miracles in this story that I still remember from being from a kid. It is a miracle that a cow will strip her body of every last atom of calcium for her child. That's the divine nature of God. It is a miracle that we can pour liquids into a cow and hear her. That is the wisdom of God. It is a miracle that the bloodstream, even as the body is breaking down, is still strong enough to circulate all of that in such a way that the nutrition gets to her body so very, very quickly. And these kinds of things unfold every single day. Maybe not in a cow with milk fever, but it happens in the field and it happens in the barn and it happens in the garden and it happens in hospitals and it happens in churches and it happens in our homes. Whether we are farmers or not, whether we have any connection to agriculture or not, I submit that there is something unique about the miracles that take place around us in places like this. That by living in a place we might describe as rural, we are uniquely positioned to experience as a matter of daily practice the beauty and wisdom of God's creation. We in rural areas don't just experience creatures, as wonderful as that is, we experience ecosystems. We experience all of it in one shot. And all you got to do is pick your favorite road and go down it. And you experience trees and you experience plants and animals and water and air. All of it. And it's in those relationships of the ecosystem of God's creation we see beauty, evolution, growth into something new and emerging. 
St. Paul describes this truth, which we see every day to the point where we often take it for granted. He describes it in this explosive emotional prose where he says, the new creation has come. The old order has gone. The new has come. Maybe just maybe we're used to hearing this verse. It is, after all, enervating. It's inspiring. It's something I often go to when I'm feeling down on myself. But we often hear it in terms far too small than how it is actually written. We hear it in ways that are not descriptive of the reality which we get to experience. I learned it, anyway, as if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Well, first things first, if anyone, and we're usually meaning the human community, if anyone is in Christ, well, that person is a new creation. And that's immediately isolating, as if new creation was only the people which is not true. What Paul writes, because there is no word for a, there is no indefinite article in the Greek. What it says, if, if any in Christ, he is new creation. If anyone is in Christ, they are, they are part of new creation. They are all of this. The miracles unfolding around us as we speak. If anyone is in Christ, he is new creation. If anyone is in Christ, they aren't destroyed and a new thing stuck in its place. Remember, God called the creation good. God's not in the business of destroying it. No, if anyone is in Christ, we slough off what is old and no longer needed. We let that die in order to take up that which is good and life-giving and eternal, the work of God. And from his idea of new creation comes Paul's idea of reconciliation. He says, God is bringing that which has been cracked, that which has been broken. God is putting it all back together again. God was reconciling the world to himself. God has taken the broken pieces, not just of your life, not just of your neighbor's life, not just of our community's life, but of our ecosystem's life, our natural world's life. God is bringing them all back together so that we live as one thing, God's one good creation. And to discern new creation and to be new creation and participate in reconciliation means that we are finished with the old ideas of destruction, finished with the idea that we can just use it all up, that we can do whatever we want because God's going to destroy it all anyway. It puts away all that violence. And reconciliation calls us to discern new creation all around us and in one another and to seek the well-being of all things. This is the call for each and every person who is in Christ. But I remain convinced that there is a unique and specific call to people who live in places like ours. Those with access and memory of soil those who may own land, those who tend the cattle on the hills, those who splash in the creeks, those who feed the birds and curse at the squirrels. In Easter, it is an unspeakable privilege to watch ecosystems be resurrected with the same speed, beauty, and grace as a cow with milk fever. The gospel, friends, is swirling around us. The question it's not whether God is recreating the world. We can see that. The question is, will we let God recreate us? The ecosystem's coming. Are we going to be part of that? Will we abandon the ways of power and violence to embrace what one might call ecology? 
which is simply the relationship between living things so that all things are in homeostasis balance, one might call peace. Ecology, which is nothing more than seeking the good of all God's creatures. Because we are being made into a new creation, we cannot seek God's salvation for ourselves without seeking it for everything else. And this is a message we can see, we know, we can testify to, and a message that we are uniquely called to share. After all, what good is the gospel if it's not, ex- what good is the gospel if the gospel is exploding, if the gospel's not exploding here? And what good is it for the gospel to be exploding here if it is not exploding in us? And what good is it for this gospel of chipmunks, squirrels, hippopotamuses, galaxies, and light years to be exploding in us if we fail to share this good news with the world? We too, friends, are called to reconciliation. And so may we do our duty in ways large and small. Because Paul challenges us as we close. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors. As though God were making his appeal through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. Be reconciled to a new creation.